I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> special Cheeky Scientist radio show. This one is very special because I'm going to talk about salaries and salaries across the categories of jobs that are available to you. This is something that we have not done before. Uh, I have not done a podcast on this before. We have a hundred, we, we have PhDs listening to us from 150 different countries. Three million PhDs visit our websites, uh, web pages every year on our website which means there's a lot of different currencies, a lot of country-specific information when it comes to salaries. Uh, so what we had to do, uh, our research team, is look at salaries. And while these are in US dollars, uh, you know, so you can take the US dollar amount if you're in a different country and, and you know, just multiply the conversion factor, we were very careful to make sure that the, uh, the reference points between any two salaries were as accurate as possible for as many countries as possible. So we looked at salaries for all of the roles I'm going to go to. And sometimes the roles are called something different. So this, take, this took a lot of work. Like, for example, an MSL in one country might be called a super rep in another country. So we looked at these five major categories, 40 plus different positions. I'm going to go through all of them. And we looked at the salaries because it can help you in terms of a reference point. Look, salary is not everything. All of these, the salaries and the positions that we're focused on are good salaries because we do not want you to get into a job where you could be making you know, less than you're making in your postdoc. We want you to get into a PhD. These are PhD level jobs and they're the jobs that are secure right now and that employers are looking for and that we have expertise in. And you're going to see that the, these are great starting salaries, all of them, but there's a range you know, from around 70000 to about 140,000 at the high end. And I'll call out some of the top paying positions. Now, again, salary is not everything, but it can help you understand the value of that position in the marketplace. Yes, when it comes to value, as in supply and demand, as in economics, the supply of good candidates for the jobs that are paying the most is going to be lower, right? Than the lower salaried positions. And the demand for them is going to be higher. So that ratio is going to change. So there'll be lower supply, higher demand. And the ratio between supply and demand uh, will change as the salary increases. Okay, so, so some of the higher priced roles that we'll talk about, data scientist, MSL. There's not as many PhDs who actually take the time to learn about what they need to do to get those jobs. Both jobs do not require industry experience. Just as an example, neither of those jobs require industry experience or clinical experience. A lot of PhDs count themselves out for those jobs because of it. They're intimidated by the jobs. And so they don't apply, which lowers the supply. It's, it's crazy, but that is a huge factor. You might be listening to this and thinking, oh, I would need to become an expert at machine learning for this data scientist job, or I'd have to have a strong clinical or signaling background or clinical trials. No, you can learn this. We have programs the data scientist syndicate, the medical science liaison specifically for that. And that's not a plug. It's to tell you that that process is there. Gaining industry credibility in the form of knowledge and learning from people in those roles is possible. But a lot of PhDs 
they either count themselves out, they have that imposter syndrome, or they're just too lazy. They do not want to learn it, right? Or, and so that what they'll do is that some PhDs will even show a disdain for these higher salaried positions. Oh, well, that, you know, this is for people that can only care about money. Or I can't get into this because of X, Y, Z. So it's, it doesn't make sense for me to apply because my, my background is, is so different. I'm in forestry. It doesn't matter. I've seen engineers, people in a background of, of forestry, zoology, get into MSL jobs and data scientist jobs. But that happens, right? All, not every PhD out there is listening to this radio show or believes in themselves, has been able to overcome that imposter syndrome or is willing to do the work you know, the learning, getting access to the, the higher level networks to get into those higher level positions. But rest assured, the market, the job market will tell you how valuable a position is. Just like the, the market, the job market in academia has told, told you how invaluable you are in academia. Not you, but PhDs, right? The PhD in general. Uh, you know, the, I talk to a lot of life scientists in particular that just see they're like, well, life sciences are so important, but why am I paid $33,000 a year as a postdoc because there's an oversupply of academic PhDs, right? Which affects that supply and demand ratio, which means that academic employers don't have to pay a lot for you. They know they can probably just get you to work for them for free out of guilt, right? A sense, you know, they'll tell you, oh, it's just noble to work for nothing. They'll hold a carrot in front of you, whether it's that degree, et cetera. And then you even have PIs that'll make you feel guilty afterwards, even after you graduate to work for free. I don't want you to do that. I want you to know exactly what you're worth, right? So, and then even if you have a different currency for the country that you're in, the reference point. So the difference between what a data scientist and an MSL is paid when I go through these salaries will be the same for you, no matter what country you're in. There'll be, if there's a bigger gap between the two in country A, there will be a bigger gap between the two in country B in, in the best possible way for the research that we were able to do to make it as accurate as possible when it comes to referencing the jobs against each other. Now, if you don't know our framework yet, we break down positions in industry into five categories, information, aggregation, and patents, which is a, one of the broadest categories that we break down into three subcategories. Um, business finance and policy, that's a, another broad category that we break down into three subcategories. Sales and marketing, research and development, clinical and medical affairs. Okay, so I'm gonna start with information, aggregation, and patents. The three subcategories are intellectual property, writing and editing, information and data management. Now, intellectual property has four positions I'm gonna go through. IP lawyer, I wanna cover that because so many PhDs have considered getting their JD. Now you do need a JD for this, this job. It pays $117,360 on average. However, there are incredible roles in this space that you can get into right now without an extra degree that pay nearly as much a patent agent or scientific consultant, $98,080 is the average per year. Technology transfer officer, $85,863 per year. This is a, essentially an academic position where you're working usually for a university. Patent examiner, 89205 sometimes called a patent analyst, more and more often called a patent analyst. Okay, let's go to the, the second subcategory here. This is writing and editing. Scientific writer, technical editor, 83,368. What a, it's a great salary for being able to write at home and even have, you could even have multiple clients, but that's a, a, if you work for one company, that's the average salary. 
scientific journalism and publishing, 63,693. This is why I recommend anything that's below 70, I am going to recommend you aim higher. The, the, the scientific journal, right? The academic journal publishing industry is not doing well right now. I would not get into it. Now, this next one, medical writer, it's an umbrella term for 20 different job titles. Sometimes, you know, it could be copywriting, uh, medical education writing. It could be a really strict on-label writing, like writing what's on the label of a Tylenol bottle. That's the example I like to use. This is the highest paid one. It's one of the few over 100,000, 100,000 and $102,603 for medical writing, that's the average. Now you can write, it gets the name from purely clinical writing and you can get paid very well for doing that. You don't need clinical experience to do this. Medical writer, one of the highest paid, most secure jobs right now that you can do remotely. The third subtract here under information aggregation and patents is information and data management. So healthcare informatics technologists, 75,700, and $75. Business intelligence analyst, anything that ends with analyst, anything that has informatics in it or technologist in it, you can get into as a PhD, no matter your background, because you're dealing with data and or information. So business intelligence analyst, $85,274. Data scientist, second highest average starting salary here, average salary here, second highest average salary for a PhD level job that doesn't require previous industry experience is data scientist, $119,413. So $119,000 rounded right to the, to the nearest uh, $1,000, $119,413. Operations research analyst, the last position under this bucket, $84,810. So hopefully that'll help you understand what your options are if you like dealing with information and or data, right? So you want to get into a numbers heavy position or a writing intensive position. Those are your options. Now, track two, sales and marketing. There, there's a caveat here for this one. Sales positions and sales is not a dirty word. So many PhDs get into sales positions. They're just about building professional relationships and solving problems. Uh, some of the highest paid PhDs that I know are in capital equipment specialist positions and technical sales specialists. Now, those two positions in particular have commissions associated with them. The base salary average for a capital equipment specialist, let's say somebody that uh, helps build relationships for electron microscopes or flow cytometers, it's 80,416. However, a healthy commission year can double that. So they can be $160,000 easily. Certainly, it can be half of that on average. So that's 130000 If you want to make the most money possible, you have to be as close as possible to the actual transaction of money. And it's easier than ever for PhDs, you know, finally to get into these roles. Technical sales specialists, this might be like an account manager, somebody that manages maybe an antibody portfolio or, or something similar, software packages. Base salary is 88785 Notice the base salary is a bit higher there. Why? because their commission will be usually not as big as, as somebody selling capital equipment, which can cost hundreds of thousands to even, you know, what, for an electron microscope, a couple million dollars. So technical sales specialist, however, they, they on a good year could get a $50,000 increase just from their commissions that year. That would take that to about 130, uh, maybe a bit higher, $140,000 per year. 
Uh, that's very, very common for that role. Uh, product manager you might be surprised to learn this is a, a, one of the higher paying roles. Product with the product manager. So you might manage multiple products. You might manage a feature of a software package. That's a product. It's a great role to look into. A lot of user experience researchers eventually transition into this role. $94,704. That's the average. Application scientist, the number one job for PhDs across the board. The number one non-bench jobs that PhDs get into first in industry across the board. Application scientist, application engineer, application specialist, $87,024. That is the role that I got into first. And I was paid a little bit less than that. Within six months was making $100,000. It's a great position to get into, especially without industry experience. And because the, the volume, it's by volume, it's the number one position. Market research analyst, $77,934. Marketing communication specialist, Marcom, if you ever hear that, Marcom specialist, $70,956. You can get paid that amount for just managing social media accounts for a company as a PhD because they need to make sure they're putting out credible information with an understanding of the technology uh, and the technical speak. Right? You can't have a company that's a big pharmaceutical or big uh, biotechnology company, for example, that doesn't know how to speak the language, the technical language, and they don't want to look like amateurs or like they don't know what they're talking about on their social media. Number three, research and development, always popular for PhDs. A couple of new positions here that I'll talk about. Technology development specialist, 76,717. An informatics software specialist, 84,724. Both those positions require you to enjoy the IT aspect or the integration aspect of data coming in. How can you build systems in the cloud or otherwise to manage data, to keep data secure, and to scale up conclusions found from the increasing amount of data, big data? R&D scientist overall, whether it's a senior scientist, principal scientist, scientist one, two, three, Average is 75,717. Of course, it's going to be closer to 91,112 for those principal scientist roles. Quality assurance and quality control, 82,238. A lot of PhDs are surprised by this. An R&D project manager is one of the higher paid roles, 93,371. Why is that? Because organization being able to deal with different stakeholders, being able to speak nerd and speak normal person. You'll have to deal with a lot of investors, executives. You'll be responsible for making sure executives get things done as an R&D project manager, highly valuable. The number one position under this bucket though is user experience researcher, user experience analyst, very hot. I haven't seen a position this hot since data scientists came out around 2008 and really started gaining traction in 2012, 2013. $106,834 for user experience researcher, user experience researcher. All right, I'm going to open up something else here because I want to go through the clinical roles next. Okay, so clinical roles, um, clinical and medical affairs. This is the fourth category I'm going to go through. Epidemiologists, $89,398. Clinical trials project manager. Again, you're going to see it above 90000 because project management is very valuable, 93,751. Clinical Research Associate, 84,343, CRA. Clinical Data Manager, 78,495. Clinical Research Scientist, 87,121. Now there's a lot of variation there too. It can be a clinical uh, research scientist. One, two, up to a principal scientist. The principal scientist will get over 100,000 on average. 
but you must get clinical experience for that role uh, most commonly first. You don't need it on the basic, the more of the basic research side, but in the clinical, if you're a principal investigator managing a clinical site, you will need to have had some experience on a clinical site before. Regulatory affairs, 76,827. Medical affairs, 87,147. Why that increase in price? Because instead of dealing with the majority of uh, documentation and, and writing, like you do in regulatory affairs, you got to deal with more people. Anytime you have to deal with people, in this case, key opinion leaders, clinicians, you're, it's more valuable. That's why you see the pay increase. The number one most valuable role in industry right now for PhDs that you can get into without industry experience is in this category. It's medical science liaison, $145,498. Uh, we have helped a lot of PhDs get into that role with our medical science liaison alliance uh, advanced program. Incredible program. We have a medic, the medical director at Pfizer and a medical director at Amgen. Uh, and people ask, how, how do you get so many people hired in MSL roles? Are those, uh, those two directors that hire MSLs all the time, two incredible people that are program leaders for that, uh, that program. Okay, fifth and finally, business finance and policy gets broken down into financial services, business and strategy, research policy, funding, and government. So under financial services, we have quantitative analyst, anything that's close to money, right? The transaction of money, in this case, literally the finance department in many companies, uh, pays well. So quantitative analysts, $118,127. Equity research analyst, $107,196. You do not need a finance background to get into these roles. Quants, right? Quanti quantitative analysts, especially, work for a lot of management consulting companies. It's basically a data analyst who can work well in small teams and spend a lot of hours working on these management consulting teams. Now, the second track, under business and policy is business and strategy. So research analyst at a VC firm, $81,086. A management consultant, great role for PhDs, $100,466. The last 100K plus role we're going to discuss on this show. Competitive intelligence analyst, $81,957. Business analyst, $82,343. Scientific consultant, $80,643. And a very popular role, Large volume, I think that matters, right? It's like if you ever look at a review online, like an Amazon review, if it has like a five-star review, but only five people have reviewed it, who cares? But if it has a five-star review and thousands of people have reviewed it, you pay more attention. So application scientist and now business development manager, the volume, the number of PhDs getting into these roles are substantial. So there's a lot of opportunity there, even if it's an $81,212 average salary. Okay, so the very last... Very last uh, category we're going to look at is business and policy with the subcategory policy, funding, and government. Science public policy advisor, 74,911. Grants facilitator, please do not get into this role, $47,047. Science ethics, 63,107. NIH or NSF or another one of these uh, program officers, uh, 64,284. Nonprofit. Officer, right? So often called a NPO. Average salary is $68,107. There's a lot of variation there. So the standard deviation for NPOs uh, varies quite a bit. Those are your options. So hopefully that helps you understand the value of these individual positions, gives you another reference point to evaluate where you should start in your job search and will help you find the position that's right for you. I would love to get you into our Cheeky Scientist Association program 
so that I can work with you and mentor you to get you hired along with our entire team. Maybe right now you're trying to figure out your job search on your own. After being in academia your entire life, that's not a great strategy. They don't just hand out jobs that pay these salaries. Maybe you're listening to a lifetime academic, a career counselor, university career counselor that's never worked in industry. This person doesn't know how to work in industry, let alone how to get a job in industry. Okay, maybe you're listening to somebody who doesn't have a PhD, a friend of a friend, or somebody tells you something. They don't have a PhD. A PhD level job search is very different than a non-PhD job search. Finally, maybe you're listening to somebody who's like doing coaching in their basement, like they're working on the side. They're trying to tell you how to get hired, but they've never hired anybody themselves. If you're listening to somebody that doesn't have many, many people on their full-time employee payroll, they don't have full-time employees at all, you need to question yourself, right? Because they, how are they going to know how to hire? They've never done it themselves. I would love to help you get hired. Cheeky Scientist is the world's largest organization dedicated to helping PhDs get hired, the largest platform in 150 different countries. Three million PhDs come to our websites, uh, our web pages on our website every single year. Uh, we've been published in Nature. Look up Nature, Isaiah Hankel, you'll see my article. Uh, the Harvard Business Review recently got published there. Our methodology help you help you understand what's possible for you. Process you'll need to follow that you will follow in the association, the network that you'll get access to. If you want to learn more about the latter, go to PhDsGetHired.com. It'll take you to our informational page for the association. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. <laughs>
20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button, and click on it, then enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees. Nobody else offers this. PhDsGetHired.com. Use the coupon code CheekyRadio. Remember your value as a PhD, and remember that knowledge is power, and your network is your net worth. Oh, 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 oh